I wonder if you happen to know the first woman who cried in the Bible. Well, the answer to that question is Hagar, the mother of Ishmael, the handmaiden servant of Sarah. And why was she crying? Well, it's because she had been sent out into the wilderness with her son. She had run out of the provisions that had been given to her, and she thought her son was going to die. Now, who sent her out into such harsh conditions? Well, Abraham did at the command of God. What? Are you serious? This happened in obedience to God? Yes, it did. Yes, it did. And if we ask why, part of the answer is found in a principle we looked at two Sundays ago from God's word, and that principle is this. Living by faith will bring us great joy, but also great pain. You see, this is what the Christian life is like. We have wondrous joy because we have found the pearl of great price, the Lord Jesus Christ. But then there is difficult pain because following Christ can be so very, very hard. Genesis 21 is the tale of two sons, Isaac, who is the joy of living by faith, and Ishmael, who is the pain of living by faith. And this morning, as we come back to Genesis chapter 21, I want to bring a message entitled, The Pain of Living by Faith. And what I want us to see today as we look at this is what does God do for us when living by faith for him is painful? And so I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to Genesis 21, and we want to begin by reading verses 8 and 9 in God's Word. Genesis 21, and let's look together at verses 8 and 9, and notice what the Word of God says to us. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned, but Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing. Now let's just stop right here and notice this truth that comes out of the word of God. Following God involves painful decisions. And that will always be the case in the Christian life. God will not spare us from the pain that comes with following him. And so we need to understand that this is the other side of the Christian experience. Now everything was fine in Abraham's household until the day of Isaac's weaning. Isaac at this point is probably about three years of age, and because infant mortality in those days was so high, if a child lived to age three, it meant survival. And so Abraham throws a great feast to celebrate that Isaac would live and become his heir. But during the celebration, verse 9 tells us that Sarah saw Ishmael, 
the half-brother of Isaac, now a 17-year-old teenager, and he was laughing. Laughing here is the same root as Isaac's name. Literally, the text means he was Isaacing. However, here, this particular use of the word is an intensive verbal form so that it means he was not laughing but ridiculing. The word here means to deride, to scorn, to mock, to make fun of. It's interesting when the Apostle Paul in Galatians 4.29 reflects on this very significant incident. I want you to notice what Paul says about it. At that time, the son born in the ordinary way persecuted. The Son born by the power of the Spirit. It is the same now. So Ishmael was making fun of Isaac. He was belittling him with an air of contempt. Now, I just have to stop here and say 17-year-olds don't normally pick on 3-year-olds. I mean, there's really no fun in that. And so why is Ishmael now doing this? Well, up until now, Ishmael has been Abraham's potential heir. But with the weaning of Isaac, all of this changes, and Ishmael is no dummy. He knows this feast means the heir has survived, and he will supersede him. One Bible teacher has put his finger right on it. Ishmael is moved to mad hatred, proud and impetuous. He does not conceal his chagrin on the occasion of a great feast given in honor of Isaac. He is guilty of insolence, of mockery, and insult. And notice how Sarah now responds to all this. Look at verse 10. So she said to Abraham, cut out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this woman, this slave woman, shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for through Isaac your offspring shall be named. And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he of your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder, along with the child, and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Be'er Sheva. Now Sarah's words here are obviously cruel and heartless. Cast him out. But her reason reveals a very serious danger in verse 10. In fact, her words here are reminiscent of what God said in chapter 15 and verse 4 when referring to Eliezer, a servant of Abraham, God said, This man shall not be your heir. 
Sarah's statement in verse 10 echoes the same assertion now regarding Ishmael. And here's what Sarah saw. If they both grew up together, Ishmael would persecute Isaac and he would hinder his growth. He would try to wrest away the inheritance and from Isaac and he would interfere with God's plan. And eventually when Abraham and Sarah passed away, this persecution would turn into all out war. And Isaac would have a nightmare on his hands as he attempted to live for God. A decision had to be made. And oh, it was painful for Abraham. He became very angry at Sarah's suggestion. The phrase in verse 11 that he was very displeased, it only occurs here in the entire Old Testament. It means he exploded with anger. If you ever wonder, do Christian couples have angry arguments? Here's one right here. But when God told Abraham that Sarah was right, his anger was replaced with pain. Did you notice verse 11? It was his son. This is the only place in the chapter where his son occurs and it refers to Ishmael. There is great love here. And then when he gives provisions to Hagar, and sends her and Ishmael away. There's obviously great concern for her as well. This was hard. This was hard. What are we to learn from this? Well, we are to learn this principle. Following God involves painful decisions. You see, when we become a Christian, God has a great plan for our life. We are all Isaacs. We are to insert ourselves into this story because the New Testament makes it very clear that everyone who is born again by faith in Jesus Christ is like a modern-day Isaac, and God has a great plan for our life. His plan includes our healthy spiritual growth as well as our future blessing to other people, and anything that harms or threatens our growth and our future blessing is to be rejected. And it is painful to make that decision. But God calls us to make the painful choice anyway. He never spares us from the difficult, hard decisions that come with living for the Lord Jesus. 
I want to speak for just a moment to the young people that are gathered here this morning. Would you listen to me very carefully as a young person? I wish that I could promise you that if you love Jesus, you will never be rejected. But that is not possible. You cannot follow Christ wholly and not experience some rejection. And there are going to be times when you are with a group of young people who are tempting you to do wrong, and you know, I love Jesus, I can't do this, and you're going to have to stand alone. And you want to know what your parents and the people of this church pray for you? We pray that you will not give in to peer pressure. That's what we pray. When the chips are down and the gang is going one direction, and you know I love Jesus, I have to go another direction, we pray that you will stand for the Lord. When I became a Christian as a teenager, there were many times I felt like an outsider. Many times. And that's painful. But I knew I had to follow Jesus. You know, the pain for some of us could be having to say no to something that offends family and friends. Some of us may have already faced having cohabiting family and friends come to visit us for a day or two or three. And we know that we have to politely say to them, we have separate bedrooms for you. And we know that may cause so much misunderstanding, and it may cause such hard feelings, but this is what we know. I've got to uphold godly standards in my home. I'm a Christian. This is a Christian house. And no matter who may be angry, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The pain could be breaking off a relationship with a boyfriend or girlfriend who is not a Christian. I have a friend who told me she never heard in church you should not date a non-Christian. Never heard that. So she dated a non-Christian fell in love with him, married him, and for the whole rest of her Christian experience and marriage with this man, he hindered her Christian life and the life of her children. I don't want it to ever be said, you never heard that at Bethel. Young people, if you date a non-Christian. You may fall in love with a non-Christian. And if you fall in love with a non-Christian, you will marry a non-Christian. And if you do, God's plan for your life may be hindered. 
When Billy Graham became a Christian as a teenager, he said he had to break up with his girlfriend. He said, I cried all the way home. It was hard. It was hard. But he knew following God involves painful decisions. Now, what does God do for us in these times? What does he do when following him causes us to suffer, to experience rejection or some pain? Well, that's what I love about this text because it tells us this is what God does. Look at it. God meets in special ways those who suffer in his will. You see, God takes notice. When we have put him first in our life and it has cost us in some way, God who is watching in heaven takes notice and he does some very special things. Look with me now at the text in verse 15 and Notice what takes place next. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bowshot, for she said, Let me not look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and she wept. I want you to look at the map for just a moment and look where Hagar and Ishmael ended up. They left from Hebron and they went down to Beersheba, which is about a two days journey. And as you can see from the map, the place they were in southern Israel was where the wilderness begins. Beersheba is an arid wasteland, and as we read verses 15 and 16, these are heart-wrenching verses. If this were a movie, we could hardly watch what comes next, but I love what happens next in this text because God meets them, and he does very special things for them. Look what God did for Hagar and Ishmael. This is what God does for us. God hears our voice in the place of rejection. God opens our eyes to see his care. And God is with us for blessing. Anybody here need that? Anybody here today in pain? And you look at that and you say, that's what I need from God? That's what he does. Now, look with me at verse 17 and, and notice how the narrative continues. And God heard the voice of the boy and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven. And he said to her, what troubles you, Hagar? Fear not. 
For God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand. What did we sing? He will hold me what? Fast. For I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Why does the Bible here say that God heard Ishmael's cry instead of Hagar's? Two times in verse 17, it says, God heard the boy crying. Two people were crying. But God hears Ishmael's cry instead of Hagar's. Why? Pastor John Calvin has something very insightful here. He said that God heard Ishmael's cry because Ishmael was to blame for their plight. Ishmael's behavior had put them out in the wilderness. This cry was the cry from the guilty one. This shows the mercy of God. He heard the cry of the one we wouldn't expect. And if God hears the cry of the guilty, he certainly hears the cry of those who are in his will. Though we are suffering because... We are in his will. And then did you notice God didn't create a well of water for Hagar. He showed her one already there. Did you notice that? He simply opened her eyes to what he was already providing. Do you know sometimes in our grief we cannot see the ways that God is providing for us? And what God has to do is to open our eyes to the fact that he is caring for us in the middle of our desert. Can I say this to you this morning? I have never in my life in a time of sadness not been encouraged by God in some way. Never. And often all God had to do was open my eyes to what he was already doing. And then here's something that is perhaps the most surprising. These verses describe God doing for Ishmael exactly what he had done for Isaac. Did you see that connection? In verse 8, we read about Isaac, the child grew and he was weaned. And in verse 20, we read about Ishmael, and God was with the boy and he grew. Could I ask you this question? Why would God bless Ishmael and his Arab descendants? Does God love Arabs as well as Jews? Are there Arab believers? I heard about a Christian who was doing something really nice for an Arab. And the Arab said, why would you do that for me? I thought 
Christians only love Jews. And he had the chance to tell this Arab, God loves Arabs too. Why would God bless me, a descendant of the Obergs? No reason that I know. None at all. That's the kind of God he is. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible is Romans 2.4. And I wonder if you would read it with me. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. God is a kind God to bring us to himself. And if God would do this for a non-believer, what would he do for believers who suffer for him? This is the kind of God he is. Let's thank him together. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? As we wait upon the Lord this morning, do you need to see this image of God? Do you need to see him as the God who hears your voice in the place of rejection? As the God who in your desert opens your eyes to his care? And the God who is with you for blessing, even when it is so very hard? If you are a believer, you are an Isaac. God has a very special plan for your life. It will lead to painful, hard, tough decisions that you have to make. But the God who is watching you will meet you in special ways when you suffer for him. That's the God he is. Trust him today. Thank him today. Praise him today. Lord Jesus, we love you because you first loved us. For your great namesake, 
Amen.